0: radio
1: you are listening to texas history lessons a slow walk through texas history made in texas by a texan for everyone everywhere if you have any questions
0: or comments feel free to email the show at texashistorylessons@gmail.com. at gmail.com
1: welcome to texas history lessons i am michael And thanks again for joining me as I take a look back at a specific month in Texas history for this month in Texas history. And this particular month, we're looking at March. I hope everybody's enjoying taking this little time travel from one year to another in a particular month. And I've enjoyed seeing some of the little strings that kind of connected the history of Texas through different months over the decades. I hope you all have enjoyed that too. So here we are. March. March, of course, as most of you know, is named for the Roman god of war, Mars. And originally it was the first month of the year until January and February became the first and second months around 450 BCE. And it was the month for war when military campaigns halted by the cold of winter would be resumed as the earth began to warm. And as we're going to see, War would also play a large part in the history of Texas during the many marches over the years. Now, March is also Women's History Month, its Irish American Heritage Month, its National Celery Month, and its National Frozen Food Month, among many, many other observances that people (laughs) like to observe, some more serious than others. March 8th is International Women's Day, celebrating the achievements of women and the progress made towards women's rights. March 9th is International Fanny Pack Day. Um, hope you enjoy that one, if, if you observe that. Uh, the 10th is Harriet Tubman Day. March 14th is the start of Daylight Saving Time, so get ready to spring forward and set your clocks an hour ahead on that annoying Day that we have to observe every year. Be sure to beware of the Ides of March on the 15th, and on March 16th, you can celebrate National Panda Day. It's also the birthday of Benito Juarez, a Zapotec who was born in 1806, and he served as the 26th president of Mexico, and he was Mexico's first indigenous president. The 17th of March is my wife's favorite. It's St. Patrick's Day, March 20th is the vernal or spring equinox in the Northern Hemisphere when the sun will be directly over the equator. Passover begins at sundown on March 27th, and the 27th is also International Whiskey Day. Other things that you can celebrate in Texas during March are the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, the second largest fair in North America and the biggest livestock show and rodeo in the world. I did get to visit that one time in the past, and it was quite fun. South by Southwest is celebrated in March in Austin. And there's the North Texas Irish Festival in Dallas. And in South Texas, you can attend Border Fest, a cultural and music festival celebrating the Texas Rio Grande Valley's diverse cultures. And of course, most people get excited in March because March of 1836 was when Texas declared its independence. We'll hit on those important dates of 1836, but there are several other important things that have happened in the marches of other years, so let's take a look at some of those. Back in 1721, on March 20th, an expedition led by the governor of Coahuila y Tejas, the Marquis de San Miguel de Aguayo, crossed the Rio Grande. Now, in reality, there is nothing significant about crossing the Rio Grande, but as Texans, we like to point to the Rio Grande as our border, so even the Handbook of Texas says that's when they enter Texas. We'll see later on that there's quite a bit of dispute about the land between uh, Rio Grande and the Nueces River to the north. um, Mexico always asserted that the Nueces was the southern border of Tejas, and I've been in some interesting discussions online, especially on Twitter with people, that they still assert that that's the southern border of Texas. More power to them. So the Marquis, whose full name is Jose de Azlor y Verto de Vera. Sorry if I didn't say that quite right, but I'm working on it traveled under the directive of the Viceroy of New Spain to reassert Spain's control in the part of Texas by reoccupying the East Texas missions and presidios that had been abandoned during the French invasion of 1719. The expedition was very successful, and France never again challenged Spain's claim. At the time when the Marquis went up into Texas, there was only one presidio and two missions in the area. By the time he left, there were four Presidios and ten missions. And he also had influence on the colonization in Texas because he recommended the settlement of 400 families between San Antonio and the East Texas missions. And out of this came the arrival of the Canary Islanders to San Antonio, or Bear. Several years later, on March 16th, 1758, An extremely large party of Comanches and other allied North Texas bands called, in general, Norteños launched an attack on Mission Santa Cruz de San Saba. The mission had been established the previous year on the San Saba River northwest of San Antonio near present-day Menard. I always get confused and think it's at the town of San Saba. It's not. It's actually near a town called Menard, and its purpose was to convert the apaches now we're going to look a lot closer to this very soon once we get into spain in texas the spanish texas period and the reasons for the missions and the reasons sometimes the native populations would invite the spaniards to establish missions The Comanches, though, did not approve of the mission's presence in their territory. They'd been fighting the Apaches for decades, pushing them farther and farther south to gain control of the plain's hunting grounds. And in the attack, they killed two priests and six others and burned the stockade. This led to a Spanish retaliation effort that ended in a defeat at the Wichita villages on the Red River in present-day Monte County, near a little community called Spanish Fort, because when people moved in there They thought there had been a Spanish fort There it hadn't been It had been a Wichita village And there had been French traders there as well The northern tribes soundly defeated the Spanish army And war with the Comanche would be a constant for decades Not for just for the Spanish We'll see an episode that happened in the 1800s That led to decades and decades worth of war with the Comanches Against the Anglo-Texans now, I'm going to take this opportunity to take a short break and thank Age of Radio for hosting Texas History Lessons, and we'll be right back. More bloodshed occurred at a battle called the Battle of Rosillo Creek, also known as the Battle of Salado. This occurred on March 29th, 1813. Now, this was during the Mexican War of Independence, and coinciding with that was something you've probably heard of, the Gutierrez-McGee filibustering campaign against Spain that came with a lot of people from United States territory. Now, this side of this battle is on a prairie about nine miles southeast of San Antonio near the confluence of Rosillo and Salado Creeks, hence the different names for the battle. On one side was the Republican Army of the North, had about 600, 900 men, and it was led by José Bernardo Gutierrez de Lara, the Gutierrez in the name of the Gutierrez McGee filibustering campaign. And also leading the army was a gentleman named Samuel Kemper. Now, they were fighting against a Spanielist royalist army, a larger army of 900 to 1,500 men led by Manuel Maria de Salcedo, the Spanish governor of Tejas, and Simon de Herrera, the Spanish governor of Nuevo León. The battle was very bloody, but it was also very brief. In about an hour, the Republican Army of the North killed 100 to 330 of their opponents, captured almost all of their arms and ammunition, six cannons, 1,500 horses and mules, and the Republican Army supposedly lost only six men. Now, following the battle, San Antonio was captured and the Republic of Texas was created. Wait, what? No. 1836, Republic of Texas. Well, depend, independence had been declared before. Republic of Texas was declared after this battle and after the capture of San Antonio. But it was very short-lived. And it ended in something that we'll take a look at later in the bloodiest battle ever fought on Texas soil. Can you name what it is? It's the Battle of Medina. It occurred in 1813 also, and quite surprisingly to some, there was a young lieutenant in the army there whose name was Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. We're going to be hearing quite a bit more about him in this episode. Now, Spain maintained control for a few more years over Mexico and its state of Texas, and on March 27, 1870, Antonio Maria Martinez Was appointed the last Spanish governor of Texas He was the Spanish governor That gave Moses Austin The original permission to bring 300 sailors to Texas But before Austin could do that We know that he died And there was a change of government There was no longer a Spanish government Controlling the, the situation That Mexico was now its own independent And new, a new agreement would be necessary That agreement came on March 24th, 1825, when the Mexican legislature passed the State Colonization Act, or law, of March 24th, 1825. Now, the purpose of the law was the peopling of Coahuila y Tejas and encouraging farming and ranching and commerce in the state. And it was under this law that Stephen F. Austin, Moses' son, And Green DeWitt and other impresarios started their colonies and bringing in people that renounced their United States citizenship to become Mexican citizens. They had to take an oath and become Mexican citizens and follow the rules. Now, for a variety of reasons, they didn't do this for very long. Um, The situation bringing the Anglo colonists led to the famous events of 1836. Uh, We will... Look deeper into those reasons later. This is kind of just a teaser of things to come. And on March 2nd, 1836, declared itself independent. In the early morning hours of that day, March 2nd, 58 delegates signed the newly drafted Declaration of Independence. And it's also a significant day that they signed this on the birthday of Sam Houston. On March 2nd, 1793... Sam was born to Samuel and Elizabeth Houston in Virginia. And he, of course, became the leader of the Texian army. Uh, That actually, I think, happened on March the 4th. And he ended up leading that army to defeat Santa Ana at the Battle of San Jacinto in the next month. Now, despite Sam Houston's preference that San Antonio and the side of the Spanish San Antonio de Valero mission, known as the Alamo, not be used as a point of defense. He thought it was a waste of resources and not practical. William Barrett Travis, James Bowie, Davy Crockett, and over 180 other defenders were defeated and killed on March 6th by Santa Anna. Houston started his retreat Known as the Runaway Scrape, On March 11th The Mexican forces defeated Texas insurgents At the March 12th Battle of Refugio Or Refugio at, at, and at The March 19th Battle of Coleto Where Colonel James Fannin surrendered on March the 20th And then On March 27th, 1836 Under orders from Santa Ana At least 342 Texian rebels that had been under the command of Fannin, who Santa Ana labeled perfidious foreigners, and because they were traitors, not soldiers, they were executed, and their bodies were left unburied. Eventually, we do know, though, of course, Sam Houston did defeat Santa Ana, and a new Republic of Texas secured an uneasy independence. I quoted a historian, international historian, that alluded to the Republic period as something as where it was very successful. In all sincerity and honesty, it really wasn't an easy period for Texas. Had a number of issues during that entire time. Um, Among the multiple issues, Indian relations was really big problem. Some, like Sam Houston, preferred a friendlier more conciliatory, working-together approach. And others, and he had lots of opponents on this issue, others just supported violence and genocide if necessary. And so, when another group of leaders that didn't agree with Houston were in control of the Republic, on March 19th, 1840, in San Antonio, Texas, Republic of Texas soldiers killed about 30 Penateca Comanche leaders and warriors they also killed five women and children. The event is known as the Council House Fight. Others remember it as the Council House Massacre. It was a very devastating event for the Comanches. And all the hatred that they had for the Spanish transferred immediately to the Texans. And the Comanche Wars would continue for over 30 years. And the reason they were there is they had, they had shown up in San Antonio having promised to bring in captives. Well, they brought in one girl, and the Texans insisted that they bring in more. Well, they these particular bands said, well, this is all we have. And a part of it, we're going to see a lot of misunderstanding between the way the Comanches did things and the way the Texans did things led to a lot of the problems because one Comanche leader did not control every group of Comanches throughout the state as we've seen looking back at the indigenous populations a lot of the first peoples had a very democratic is that the right term i'm going to use it way of looking at things so much so that if they didn't want to do something you didn't have to do something now that was not the case in every society but i'm being very broad but that's kind of the way the situation was with the Comanches at this time There was just no one person that could give an order. Um, So, for the next 30 years, Comanche wars with Texans would continue. Mexico never accepted Texas' independence. Despite the treaties that Santa Ana signed, um, there was always tension between Mexico and her rebellious daughter. On March 5th, 1842, Mexican General Rafael Vasquez... And 700 men occupied San Antonio without a fight. He raised the Mexican flag and declared Mexican laws in effect. He did depart in a few days. And this was one of a number of raids and counter raids that were happening in the 1840s between Mexico and Texas. He departed on March 9th. And like I said, over the next year, Mexico kept seeking to reassert control over Texas and Texas kept trying to maintain its independence. A year later, on March 25th, 1843, 17 Texans out of a total of about 176 were executed at Salado in Tamaulipas, Mexico. They had been part of the Mir Expedition, one of the last raids from Texas into this disputed area south of the Nueces. Defeated, they were supposed to march to Mexico City. Instead, they attempted a mass escape and about 176 were recaptured. And Santa Ana, there's that gentleman again, he ordered that one out of 10 be shot. Each man drew a bean from a jar. And if they drew one that was black, that man was executed. Jumping forward into the Civil War, March 28th, marks the defeat of Texas Confederate troops under Brigadier General Henry Hopkins Sibley, where as the handbook of Texas, I like the way they said, They were whipped by the Union forces at Glorieta Pass, New Mexico. And this in effect checked Confederate ambitions in the West. March 30th, 1870 marks the day that the United States President Ulysses Grant signed the act to end congressional reconstruction and readmit Texas into the Union. The Texas legislature had finally approved the 14th and 15th Amendments to the Constitution the month before in February. And for our final date for this month in Texas history, for this March, we're going to jump ahead several decades to March 18th, 1937. On this day, Texas suffered its third worst disaster to date behind the Galveston hurricane of 1900 and the Texas City disaster which we'll get to in the in the future also and it's the worst disaster the United States has suffered in a school related disaster in its history now despite the hardships of the great depression the discovery of oil in east texas near new london led to a booming economy. A lot of people got rich during this time, and the town of New London flourished. And to do their best for their children, they built a beautiful, elaborate, combined junior high and high school. And on this day, a shop teacher flipped on an electric sander he had been repairing and ignited a massive amount of natural gas that had leaked out in a large cross space under this beautiful, large, massive school. Numbers vary, but it's safe to say that almost 300 students and faculty died that day. It was a disaster that killed a generation. And I could go into more detail on this. And then guess what? I'm going to. Because the next episode, I'm going to be joined by New London-born Dean Vincent, And we're going to investigate what happened that day. And plus, we're going to do some side steps into other aspects of Texas history. So... Thank you for listening to This Month in Texas History with me. This has been another episode of Texas History Lessons. You need to reach out to me. Let me know some thoughts, suggestions, topics you might want to see considered. What significant date did I miss? Um, email Lessons at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter. And I have a website, texashistorylessons.com. And thanks for listening. Thanks to all the supporters on Patreon. Jay. Josh. Kay. Tim. And who am I forgetting there? Oh, yeah. My man Ron. Thank you. Thank you to all of you for supporting me. Um, Every little bit helps. Helps me uh, constantly acquire new books that I need to do research and prepare for this show. And um, everybody be good to one another. We'll see you again soon. Thanks and adios. Oh, one more thing. I almost forgot before we go. I want to thank, um, Texas history lessons, spotlight artist, Jared Flushy for allowing me to share some of his music. I hope everybody went to Spotify and listened to the song fan, the flames. If you haven't go do that, please. And, um, I'm going to end the show with another one of his songs off of his home album, the acoustic album. And this one is titled So Well. So again, thanks for listening. Go check out the Blood Beaver podcast if you want some fun Western history. And we'll see you next time. Adios.
0: I ain't gonna be mad anymore You can fake all of your sorrows i tired of caring about things that I can't change Take all your apologies Cash them in at the bank Cause I've been mad as hell Carrying this grudge Pushing on these walls i built I just ain't taking it so well. Really had a doozy of a life there, darling. Hell, three kids is a feat. I bet three different daddies is a dead horse that just won't stay. Scratch, pushing on these walls I've built but they don't seem to budge and these memories they haunt me it ain't hard to tell Could only blame myself On these walls I built, they don't seem to budge. These memories they haunt me, and yeah. it ain't hard to tell. I can only blame it on myself, I just ain't taking it so well. I can only blame it on myself, I just ain't taking it so well.